Last week I started a new series. Uh, this series is one that um, God placed on my heart. I wanted to preach through a book. He brought me to the book of Galatians. I read the book, which is a good thing to do before you preach on it, just, just in case you ever get that opportunity. Read it before you preach it. It's wise. Um, I read through it several times, and what stood out to me as I was reading the book were questions that Paul asks in this book. Um, there's something about the art of a good question, and parts Paul is a good questioner. He's a good asker. He asks good questions. Last week we looked at the question he asked. His question was, am I, talking about himself, am I seeking the approval of God or the approval of men? I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a deep question that I can ask myself every day. That's a deep question that I can ask myself all the time. Am I seeking in what I'm doing the approval of God or the approval of men? So today's question actually is going to come in response to that question. If we say, yes, I know that I'm seeking the approval of God. So my question that I then would ask is, how do I seek the approval of God, right? I mean, isn't that a fair question? Like, if I'm going to seek God's approval, then how do I do that? Well, Paul, in his letter to the church in Galatians, he kind of asks this question in a different way. I recognize there's lots of question marks in this passage. There's lots of questions. You know, sometimes a good questioner asks lots of questions. Um, But there's one that I really want to come into that I have underlined. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? I mean, there's some good questions. Are you bewitched? Are you foolish? Um, After beginning, by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? You see, Paul, remember, he wrote this letter to the churches in the region of Galatia. And when he wrote this letter to them, he went and and he was a missionary there. He preached the gospel. If you'll recall, remember what Paul said, we read it last week in, in, in the first chapter of this book. He said, as he's addressing the issues there, basically he's saying, I wrote to you and I presented my gospel. And as he's writing these words to to these people, he said, cursed is anyone who adds to the words or to the gospel in which I preached. He says, if I or angels preach any gospel other than the one I preached, we should be cursed by God. Paul, as he's writing to the Galatians, he's upset with what? The add-ons. The additions. The question he asked, um, did you receive the the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? It's a question that that, that has resonated with with the early church. It's a a question that, that they're dealing with as they're going from Jewish believers to Gentile believers and trying to figure out what this whole thing is now that came through Jesus Christ. You ever had a phone call? Probably doesn't happen as much today. Now it's an email where someone calls up and says, you have a free, like, three-day, two-night stay in the mountains or the beach or whichever one you choose. You ever had that happen? And then you start to talk to them. I mean, who doesn't want a free vacation? Wonderful. 
And they said, well, all you're going to have to do is come sit and listen to this like four-hour spiel where we're going to be like high-pressure salesmen and we're going to twist your toenails and, and try and convince you to buy something that you don't want. And not only do you have to come, but your spouse has to come if you're married, and you both have to endure this trial together. And before you come, we're going to run a background check and we're going to check your finances and all these things. And suddenly, that thing that seemed wonderful is no desire to go and endure this. Like the add-ons. That's what Paul is dealing with with his gospel. He said, I preached the gospel to the people. I preached the gospel in Galatia. That was good. But then the perverters came. And they started to take what was good and add on to it. And they added more conditions to this thing, this more conditions to this good news that I was preaching. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Galatians 2.19. I'm not working, Irene. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. The addition in the region of Galatia was the law, the old law, to the good news of Jesus Christ. And what happened was, in Galatia, we talked about a little bit, the Jewish believers, they started to add on to the gospel that Paul preached. So now it went from this free gift of salvation that was offered to all to this, to this requirement that guess what, guys? If you're a Gentile believer and you want to come into the kingdom of God, you've got to get circumcised. Well, this deal isn't sounding so good. And by the way, no more bacon. Oh, there's other things you've got to do. There's, there's, there's laws you've got to obey. There's things that got to happen. It looks like I just lost my PowerPoint. And so what happened was the people were, were, were falling away. The, the, the additions, the works of the law were standing in the way of righteousness. Really, this is what caused the Protestant Reformation, right? See, men, we're good at doing what? We're good at adding on. We're good at adding to what is presented. And so we tell to someone the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we start adding. And we start saying, but, but wait, in order to be saved, you must do this. And in order to be saved, you must do that. The Protestant Reformation, all of a sudden, we had the Catholic Church doing similar things. They were saying salvation. And there was additions to the gospel that was preached. But guess what? It's not just the Catholic Church that does that. It's the fallenness of mankind. We always fall into the same pattern. You know what we can learn from history? It's wise to do. And the reality is, Paul's question, are we made righteous by faith or are we made righteous by works? That's really what he's saying. Is, is righteousness in faith in God alone or is there something else for righteousness for you and I? When it comes to you this morning, the question that I believe Paul was asking us is to seek the approval of God, to be made righteous by God, what is required? Is what is required faith or works? Or faith and works? 
Paul's question that he's posing, the question that he's seeking the Galatians to answer, is the reality of this question. Am I made righteous by anything other than Jesus Christ? I want to look quickly at Paul's gospel because he's upset that, that there's people adding to his gospel, right? And so if we look at Paul's gospel, just as a, a reference point for you, uh, the book of Romans is probably, they, it's considered by theologian Paul's gospel. Paul's good news. It's a long book. It's a deep book. It's a heavy book, but it's a good book. Uh, we're going to look at, at, at some verses from the book of Romans to see the revelation of Paul's gospel. This is the good news that Paul preached. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given how? Through faith in Jesus Christ to who? All who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ. The beginning of Paul's gospel is the reality that we've all sinned. Jew, Gentile, uh, American or Canadian, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has an issue. And this good news that Paul has, see, this was a big deal. Remember, because the covenant, the old covenant, was specifically for who? It was for the Jews. The Gentiles were not clean. They had no part of this old covenant. God is saying, I'm bringing a new covenant to you. It's for all who believe. That was what was so novel about Paul's ministry. When he was radically encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus, he was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, what good is the the law when it comes to ministering to Gentiles? Because why? Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. When he came, when Jesus Christ came to this world, when he died on the cross, the law was 100% fulfilled by him. So when Paul's ministering to the Gentiles, it's, it's, not, it's not something that he has to bring with him. This was the biggest deal in the early church. They fought about it. They, the Jews wanted them to follow the law of the covenant, and these people weren't doing it. They had councils. They had meetings. They had problems. I mean, this was their catalyst. Like, do we worship with, 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 uh, with songbooks, or do we worship off of a screen? Like, this was the, the big deal in churches. Paul's gospel. We've all sinned. Jew and Gentile. Paul's good news is that now you have been set free from sin. And it becomes slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Paul's gospel that he's preaching says that we've all sinned, every one of us. This is his good news. This is the gospel that he was so passionate about that he didn't want someone to add to. He said, every one of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin, for your sin and for my sin, for Jew's sin and for Gentile sin, the wages of that sin is absolutely death. But the, gift of, uh, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's gospel in the book of Romans, you see that just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person some might possibly dare to lie, to die. Or lie, I guess, sometimes. Um, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's all of us. 
We were talking in Sunday school. We looked at a, we're looking at parables of the kingdom of God in Sunday school, just trying to learn about the kingdom of God still. And we looked at this one uh, of a king who had a, a servant who owed him a debt that was, we use the word immeasurable. It was more than he could pay back. It was, it was bigger than he could comprehend. Each one of us owed that debt when it comes to, to the wages of sin in our life. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory. The wages of sin is death. But God, knowing that we couldn't repay that debt, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Every one of us. Every one of us. He sent his son, Jesus, so that death could be the price, the atonement for our sin. This is Paul's gospel. So what does he say we must do to receive this forgiveness? Because if I'm that point in Paul's gospel, what must I do? Because you're telling me this thing about it's not about works of the law. It's not about what was. What do I got to do now? Romans chapter 10. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. That is, it's the message con- concerning your faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith in our saved. The scripture says anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There's no difference between Jews and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who do what? Call on him. Verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul's gospel, the profound nature of Paul's gospel was saying, we've done it one way. Paul, he says in another place, I was the Jew of Jews. He knows the law. He's obeyed the law. He's found righteousness through the law. But he said, I've met this guy. His name was was Jesus Christ. He died for my sin. He showed up to me on the road to Damascus. And suddenly it no longer was about what I had to do. It no longer was about obeying this or that. It was about confessing with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Confessing with my mouth the lordship of Jesus Christ. That he is the one who is in charge. That he is the one who gets to tell me what to do. That I want to submit my will. That I want to submit my life to him. Recognizing the reality of the resurrection of the dead. What's the value of the resurrection? It's the reality that death and sin have been defeated once and for all. That the wages of sin was that I was one time going to go into that grave, but now I hold on to the promise that I will be raised with him to eternal life because of what Jesus Christ did. I recognize the debt, as we talked about in Sunday school, and that debt was paid. And that debt was paid, and I just have faith. I want to tell you there's freedom. And righteousness that is based on faith alone. Paul sees it as something worth defending in his letter to the church 
in Galatia so aggressively that he's telling people to be cursed for adding to the good news, for making this any more challenging than it needs to become. Yet we still do it today. We still struggle with this. My faith is not expressed. My, my righteousness is not good enough when I'm not obeying everything, when I'm not doing everything right. We question our righteousness. In the book of Romans, it says we were once, or we were made righteous, we were made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you were made righteous, that means it's done. It's been accomplished. It's accomplished through the faith that we have in Him. It's not accomplished by, by following every jot and tittle in the Scripture. Am I making this, Paul says, am I saying this leaves you room to sin? He says, by no means. Grace is not a license to sin. Because what? Because when I believe in Jesus Christ, when I believe it not just by, by, by something I say or something my grandma believed, but when I believe it in myself, it produces, going back to Sunday school this morning, the servant didn't change. There's a change of heart that happens in us. Why do I talk about this? Probably I should look at my notes. Both, we're going to talk a little bit about Paul and James because Paul and James, in some ways, people think they disagree on this reality. Uh, I believe they, they have a, a strong agreement. They just look at it from different ways. Um, but they both use an example from the Old Testament. They both use Abraham as their example. Paul uses Abraham as an example in Galatians 3. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. When was Abraham made righteous? When he believed God. Thank you. Um, you know, sometimes I think we, we measure Abraham, right? Because when, when do we think he was made righteous? Well, when he took his boy up there and he was about ready to sacrifice him. We look at that. I mean, he's, the, he's a model of faith. And so many times we look at the example or the outward product of that. Abraham also believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul was saying Abraham, in his life, the righteousness came not when he did, but when he believed. This was before he even called his son to come. This is before he made a plan for their hike. He was credited to him as righteousness when he had faith in God. Now here's the struggle. Romans 3.28, this is Paul's position. We maintain a person is justified by faith. How? Justified is just the idea of being made righteous, just in case. I know it's a new word that I just put in there. We maintain that a person is justified by faith by faith, apart from the work of law. But then you look at James. Does it look like they argue with each other? James says, you see, a person is considered righteous by... How? I'm just presenting this so someone doesn't bring this to me later. Like, I, I recognize this, I acknowledge this. James's position that he wrote in his letter, his epistle, was you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. This is the core of a struggle that we've had in faith from the beginning, like in Christianity. This idea of works and faith and when am I made righteous? When is the approval of God real in my life? For context, Paul 
He's a missionary. What is Paul experiencing? What is the hindrance to the gospel that Paul is preaching when he writes his letter? Is it not the Jewish leaders who are trying to force the law on Gentiles? Is that not the position or is that not what is standing in the way of people understanding the goodness of God? James. James was a a profound leader in the early church. He served in the Council of Jerusalem. He was kind of one of those. uh, But his ministry was mostly to Jews. And the epistle of James, the letter that James wrote, was written to the, to the scattered Jewish people all over the place. The church that was scattered when persecution came. That's why he wrote his letter. Okay? And what James experienced in writing his letter was that there's a lot of people who are greedy and taking advantage. And what I've seen is that those people who, who are greedy, the leaders in the church who are greedy and taking advantage of others, they're saying they're Christian. But what? Their outward evidence, what people see, is not bearing witness to the confession of their mouth. And so James is saying, in his context, if you're trying to decide if someone... Here's the... I I think the the key word in this difference. The key word in what's going on is you see a person is considered. James, as a pastor, is more worried about people to people. Paul as a missionary is worried about people to God. And James is saying when others consider you righteous, it's by the fruit of your faith in your life. And if you're wondering about faith, you can look at someone's works. Paul has no issues with works. Paul in his letters talks about works. He teaches them. Romans 12. The church is called to offer their body as a living sacrifice. That sounds like work. In pastoral epistles to title to Titus. He emphasized good works are an expected product of the life of someone who is saved. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to say these things so that you may have trusted God and may be careful to devote devote themselves to doing what is good. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for the urgent needs. In Philippians, he says, we must live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Paul and, and, and James are actually in agreement. I believe that they agree that righteousness starts at faith, but the fruit of righteousness, the product of righteousness, should be works. It goes back to the, to the, the story in Sunday school again. There was a slave who didn't receive, or he received forgiveness, but he couldn't forgive. He wasn't living in what he received. James is focused on what others consider, what others See, Paul is focused on when it starts, when it begins, the relationship with man and God. Sorry, that was a tangent, but I had to preach it. Righteousness. Your righteousness. Paul's gospel is by faith alone. The question he poses this morning is where are you finding your righteousness? Is your righteousness coming from your belief, your expressed belief in Jesus Christ and that alone? Or is your righteousness based on works? Is your righteousness based on what you're doing? Is your righteousness based on what you've done? I'm glad you all came to church this morning. But I will say that because you came to church this morning does not make you more righteous. 
I hope that that's the product of a relationship with God that I long to be with other believers. It's the, the outward evidence of what God has done inwardly. There's so many things in our faith, whether we sing or we raise our hands or we, we do these things, they should be the outward evidence, not the cause or the basis for our righteousness. Because when your righteousness is based on what you do, you will fail. I will fail. I have to come to a place. Man, the book of Romans was revelation when I dug into that book and realized I'm no longer a slave to sin. I no longer have to make myself righteous over and over again. I don't have to work to attain it. I don't have to strive for it to be mine. Why? Because it was accomplished by Jesus Christ. And when I received, when I confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, when I believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I was made righteous. That was then, that is today, that is later when I screw up. I've been made righteous. When I eat bacon, I'm righteous. Why? Because the basis of my righteousness is my belief in Jesus Christ. The basis of my righteousness is my faith alone. The product of my righteousness I hope that's works. I hope that's love. I hope that's church. I hope that's serving. I hope that's reading. I hope that's growing. I hope that's doing. But my righteousness. What took me from a broken sinner who was destined to die and be eternally separated from Jesus Christ. What took that debt that I could never pay back, no matter how many days I worked Sunday school, I could never work enough to repay this debt. I will tell you that we can never work enough to repay the debt that was paid in Jesus Christ. Your efforts, while they might be noble, cannot accomplish what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. It was that alone. And sometimes what's happened in church history, sometimes what's happened in my history is I've started to put more confidence in myself than I have in him. I've started to put more trust in what I'm doing rather than what Jesus Christ did. Then my faith. Becomes based on works. My righteousness becomes dependent on something other than the Lord Himself, Jesus Christ. You guys can come forward. This morning as we prepare to close, I just want to ask the question is what is the basis of your righteousness? If you answered the question last week that I want to seek the approval of God and not men, this week I'm going to ask you how do you seek the approval of God? How are you seeking the approval of God? Paul's gospel. Every one of us, Jew, Gentile, man, woman, old, young, We've all sinned. Every one of us, because of that sin, have become 
unrighteous. We were unrighteousness. We were unrighteous in the sight of God. And that sin for every one of us was leading us to a position of of death. There was a debt that absolutely had to be paid for that sin. So God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for each and every one of us so that we could live free from the debt that we've been carrying, that we could live free from the condemnation that has come through sin in our life. Paul's Gospel. You've recognized the sin. If you've recognized the Savior, how do I get his approval? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be made righteous. You'll be set free. This morning, as, as we have a time for worship, I will have a time where I can pray, but, but I really want this to be about you and the Lord. I don't want anything to interfere with what God might be doing in these moments. And if this morning you say, man, I've been seeking righteousness in all these other ways. I've been trying to find the approval of God in different ways. I want you to to have the burden of the law lifted from your life today. I want you to have the freedom that comes through knowing that I cannot work enough. Walt said it at the end of worship. I keyed into it because I knew what I was preaching about. There's such a burden that comes when we're trying to do that God wants us to be lifted. He wants to lift from us so we can be set free. This morning, I don't want you leaving thinking, I've got to do. But I want you leaving knowing, this is what I believe. I believe that God sent Jesus for me. I believe that that debt for my sin that was leading me to eternal separation was paid by Jesus Christ. I believe that when He died on the cross, the fullness of of sin, the fullness of forgiveness was, was, was revealed. When He rose from the grave, I have eternal hope through Him because of my faith in Him. Father, this morning, in this place. God, you know our hearts. You know the question of Paul, did I receive the Spirit from the law or did I receive the Spirit from believing? Have I received my right relationship, my eternal security, the fullness of forgiveness, Because of me, because of something, or because of Jesus Christ. God, in this room this morning, I pray that if anyone is living in a righteousness, is is living in a way that righteousness comes anywhere but from Jesus Christ, 
that today is a day that burden can be lifted. That today is a day that their confession, the acknowledgement of sin, the acknowledgement of Paul's gospel and what Jesus Christ did can come forth and we can breathe and we can pray and we can say what Paul said. I've become a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer bound by what I do. I'm no longer bound by what people say. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. What was is gone. The debt has been paid. I've been set free. Spirit, speak to hearts. Hearts, listen to the Spirit. So we can live in the fullness of righteousness. I want you to, to ask yourself that question to pause and, and respond if, if that leads you to a point and you're not sure where to go find someone you trust I'll be here to pray someone else be here to pray with you your righteousness found in faith alone also this morning because we haven't had time to pray I want to open the altars up if you have a need in your life as a pastor I want to be able to stand with you and pray with you Um, but spend time pondering Paul's question. It's good to know my righteousness is in faith alone. Amen? It's good to know my righteousness is not based on me, but on Him. I say this, the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you, grant you His peace, and may you find righteousness that's based on faith alone. Amen?